welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Sarah McDonald, that would be you. Hello, hello, and of course we are joined by producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, two of the UK's most high-profile television personalities have had such a big falling out. One of them has been turfed out of the job. Dua Lipa has a new boyfriend and her ex, Anwar Hadid, doesn't seem at all happy about it. Taylor Swift insists she's never been happier. And why is the internet obsessed with a big blue couch? But first, Sarah McDonald, how was your week? Great week. We've spent a few days in Canberra this week, which was... So great. Oh my God. So I ate so much food. Just ate our way through Canberra. Ate all of Canberra, actually. So <laughs> no, we need Canberra. There's no Canberra left. <laughs> um, I have to say, we obviously have been, we're filming a lot of content while we were there and we'll be putting it up in the coming weeks. But I got a DM from someone on Instagram who were like, did you guys leave the hotel? Because obviously <laughs> the only content we were putting out was the hotel to start. Yes, we left the hotel. Beautiful city. You guys will hear more about it. It was a branded trip. This is not even a sponsored shout out just loved it we had a great time i will say one thing that we got a little cocky on day one because so everyone cocky. was like i know you guys are melburnians but just you wait Canberra's cold Canberra. it's cold and so we got there on day one and we're like Tch. we are so <laughs> used to this like we are primed and prepped for this cold weather as melburnians on day three annabelle I actually felt like I was in the snow. Oh, yeah, my so... hands were cold. I un- understood it. It was two degrees at like 11 a.m. I kind of loved it though. I loved the drama of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the romance of seeing my like breath. It's one of those things where it's like so sunny outside. Again, talking about the weather to start the show. How do we always do this? We love it. Oh, we love it. So sunny outside, but then you look at your hands and it's like, wow, they're cold. Oh. Anyway, great few days. As I said, you will see more of that coming up. I have a couple of things I would love to recommend to you both. The first thing is a profile in the LA Times of Nick Cannon. Now, this profile was published at the very beginning of May. I had sort of sent it to myself. I don't know if you guys ever do this, if you like text yourself things or slack yourself things. I do that with clothes. I do it with clothes, (laughs) but I do it with articles. And I realized I had never made my way back to read it. Ah. And I read it and I've got to say, it's one of my favorite celebrity profiles of the year. I have to be honest and self-aware. I think when I have considered Nick Cannon in the past, I don't think it will be any surprise to the listeners that I find it all a bit uh, humorous Comical. what he's managed to do, have so many children. But I thought it was really interesting to hear the other side of it about how his kids mean so much to him, why he decided to have so many, what the nature of his relationships are with the mothers of mm. the kids. From all reports from this article anyway, he is incredibly devoted. Like his whole life is about these 11 or 12 or however many kids. Yeah. And I think he sort of spoke about the fact that he's been made a joke but didn't mind as much because he was just like this is just what I want to do and how I want to live my life how interesting a little pop culture tidbit if you're watching the new season of Selling Sunset on Netflix one of the mothers of Nick Cannon's children is on that show as like a real estate agent and she has nothing but praise for Nick Cannon and says that it also really suits her that this is just how she wants to bring a child into the world and this is the arrangement that they all know 
they're getting into. Yeah, that they're getting into. That Fascinating stuff. Uh, the other part of it is I think he also spoke a lot about how he's never felt like he's been particularly taken seriously in his career. And I realised I don't actually know what Nick Cannon does. Is he a singer? No, but <laughs> I don't think that's embarrassing. I mean, if it's embarrassing, it was embarrassing for it me. It is to Anna, but <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I think he's like hosted stuff before. He's, yes, but that's his sort of second wave career. Oh. He was initially trying to get into the comedy acting space, was mentored by Will Smith. Oh. Later went into hosting. There was also a pretty big exploration of him saying some pretty questionable things in the past and how he's tried to repent for those things. He's just a very full profile. I don't want to do the thing, though, where I come in here and say, oh, we used to laugh at this thing and now we can't laugh anymore. I don't feel like that. It's still kind of a funny thing that he's just had so many kids and I still feel very similarly about that after it. I just also have equal parts respect for him. Yeah, well, I think Nick Cannon has potentially given us license to laugh about it because he has poked fun at himself. He did that prank earlier this year where he joked with Kevin Hart about launching a show, Correct. Who Wants to Be Nick Cannon's Baby Mama. So you're not doing jokes and pranks like that if you're not laughing a little bit at yourself too. Exactly. So I couldn't recommend that more. It's in the LA Times. It's from earlier this month. We will pop it in our show notes. Love. The next thing I want to recommend very quickly is another read. It is from Modern Love in the New York Times. It is called My Spectacular Betrayal. Michelle, this is right up your alley. It's giving cheating story. It is. Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes to cheating. 100% cheating story. I, I think after five and a half years of this show, I don't need to tell the listeners that I love cheating stories. I don't love the act of cheating. I love the narratives that cheating gives us. I think that's fair. <laughs> this is a really great read. It's written by Samantha Silver and she has written a piece about her affair oh. and how she left her husband for his best friend <gasps> uh, or their best friend, their sort of couple best friend. It sounds very everybody has a secret here. Yes, it, it does. does. And how her whole life basically fell apart. You know, her kids didn't speak to her for years. This is like written with lots of hindsight. And she kind of interlaces the piece with conversations with her psychologist about what her psychologist was telling her as all of this was happening so that she was able to stick to her guns. There's a really beautiful ending to the story that really took me by surprise. It's a great, great piece. I couldn't recommend it more. That is a 1,000 out of 10 recommendation. <laughs> no, I don't even want to record the episode. They're pausing. I'm going to go read that. I promise you, I thought of you the whole time as I was reading it. You will love it. On Cheating Stories, last week I recommended couples therapy and anyone who watched that show has DM'd me to say the cheating storylines in season three of couples therapy are also like off, is off the hook what off people say? Yeah. Off the off chops. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so good. So thank you for bringing that as well. How are you? How was your week? How, what are you recommending? I'm wonderful. I have one recommendation, not two. Go, hit me. Florence Pugh on the Off Menu podcast. I am looking at Zara McDonald. I recommended you listen to Off Menu with Paul Meskell earlier this year. I can see in your eyes you did not. I did not. I just... <laughs> I had every intention. I just forgot. It I dis did. Thank you, Annabelle Lee. This disappoints me so much because I, I just know you'd love it. I know, but you said that there was a bit of a chatter at the start that I might not have liked. I liked the chatter. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I'm leaning into the chatter now. For those who aren't familiar, this is a British podcast hosted by two comedians. They get some incredible celebrities on and they invite them into a dream restaurant where the celebrity lists their like starter, main dessert, cocktails, drinks, the whole deal. This episode with Florence Pugh 
is marvelous. It's just such a positive, beautiful episode. Thank you to the listener who DM'd me and told me to listen to it immediately. I absolutely loved it. I just think if you like food and you like celebrity and you like really wide ranging interviews that don't necessarily go very deep into the nitty gritty, but give you such a thorough understanding as to a celebrity's personality, this is a must listen. The Off Menu podcast is so good. I will listen to it. I promise you. Florence Pugh is such a foodie. I'm actually, oh, that's amazing. Her dad, and I'm going to say this word correctly this time, her dad was a restaurateur. Oh, oh. I thought we were just going to. Restauranteur. Yeah, like honestly, <laughs> let's just bogan it up. <laughs> yeah, her dad ran a series of restaurants, launched and ran a series of restaurants when she was a child. So she grew oh, up awesome. adoring food and her Dream restaurant selects were not things that I would opt for, but she sounded amazing and came across really well. Oh, okay. Should I start with Paul Meskel or Florence Pugh? That's the real question. I think you really love both of these celebrities. I don't think you can go wrong with either. Okay. All right. I will try. I'm actually in the middle of a four and a half hour uh, podcast episode. What? (laughs) I'm like four and a half why yeah. don't they just split it? I don't know. Parts? The commercial decision, the, the, the business owner in me, it's like, <laughs> split it up. You'll make a bit more cash if it's to four different episodes. Now, nah, there are ads all through it. It's an acquired podcast. Listen, oh. if I finish it and I love it, I'll recommend it. If I don't, you might never hear of it again. <laughs> Great. Now, guys, before we get into the episode, are you in need of some intrigue? Oh, my God. Absolutely. I have absolutely <laughs> in need of some intrigue. I'm sitting up straighter. We're bringing it back. I saw something this week that sent me down a rabbit hole and I thought, this is intriguing and I'm going to bring it to the show. Did you guys know that actor Mark Ruffalo, probably known best to the majority of listeners as the Hulk in the Marvel Universe, known best to Not me, me. <laughs> known best to me as Matty in Suddenly 30, um, I actually don't know where I'm Just I know like him Heaven from. with Reese Witherspoon. Perhaps that one. Yes, very on friend, right. Annabelle. He found out that he had a brain tumour via a dream. What? You know what? I did know this. <sighs> this is my one of my favourite celebrity facts. This was in the year 2000, Zara. Here is a snippet of Mark explaining it in a recent TikTok video. It wasn't like any other dream I'd ever had. It wasn't a narrative. It wasn't like um, a story like you see in, in your normal dreams. It was literally just like knowledge. And it was just like, you have a tumor. It wasn't even a voice. It was just knowledge. And the knowledge was that you have a tumor on the left side of your head, behind your ear, and you have to deal with it immediately. So after this dream, literally where it's just crystal clear, he is told by himself, you have a tumor behind your ear. He went into work. He was working on a movie called The Last Castle. He went up to the doctor on that set and said, I'm going to sound crazy. I think I have a brain tumor because I had this dream. The doctor said, you're almost definitely crazy, but I'm not going to ignore you. I will get you a neurologist appointment and you can explain this to them and they'll give you some scans. The scans showed that exactly as his dream had told him, he had a brain tumor in the exact spot he believed he did. Wow. It's insane. He's given some quotes about this over the years. One of them included, the neurologist came in and she was white as a sheet. She said, you have a mass behind your left ear that's the size of a golf ball. We don't know what it is exactly, but you'll need an MRI. And I thought, yep, it's not a great time to say I knew it, but I did. How does that happen? I don't know. I heard this and I was like, I wonder if something inside you knows that something's 
off if this is just pure coincidence which would be so weird could be a lot of things i mean they always say trust your body hey like you know your body best and maybe he was feeling small things that kind of added up to this I also have one thought, and I want to put on the record here, really beautiful, wonderful story for well, Mark Ruffalo. As we know, he survived he's well. and he's okay. And he, he was able to catch months, it at a good time. Yeah. My overwhelming thought right now is, wow, I don't know how many people would have a doctor listen to them yep. if you went in and said this. Yeah. I don't think many people, particularly minorities and things like that, would be able to, or people without money who would just be able to get an appointment with a neurologist. Well, he had zero symptoms. This is the crazy thing. And lots of people were commenting on TikTok to say it's a good thing you're a celebrity because nobody else would be given that scan in the first place, particularly in America where he was working. So the fact he even got it, thank God he did because he did have a tumour. It was an acoustic neuroma. He had to have it removed and then have six months of facial paralysis as a result. He says this could have derailed his entire career if he didn't catch it in time. I mean, it was 23 years ago and we now know him to be one of like the biggest actors around the world. So I just could not believe it when I saw this interview and then did my deep dive. Thank you for my little intrigue fact. Wow. Well, are you sufficiently intrigued? I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of come full circle on the intrigue. <laughs> I've closed the intrigue. That's amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Are we ready for the quick and dirty? We are ready for the quick and dirty, guys. Oh, am I doing the intro? I think you're doing the intro well, this week. You know what? We can share the quick and dirty today. Oh, no. But do you want me to say it for you? Because I know you do get a bit nervous. I, I feel a bit sweaty <laughs> yeah. every time I have to intro it. Well, as you guys know, with the quick and dirty, we read you the top five stories from the <laughs> rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle, very intriguing. Oh, Andrews, do you want to kick us off? I do. Our first story. Philip Schofield to leave this morning with immediate effect. That is from The Guardian. Guys, there is so much to unpack here. If you have not been following this story, if you haven't seen it around, Philip Schofield and his co-host, Holly Willoughby, are two of the most recognisable faces in the UK. They have been hosting the major morning news program over in the UK. It's called This Morning. They've been hosting that on ITV together since 2009. And they have become really well known for their banter, their friendship, and just their like viral, hilarious segments over the years. Completely. I think personally, when I started to get to know them and recognize them, it was on TikTok and even on Instagram and Facebook videos where you would see them kind of collapse into fits of giggles. Mm. Have you guys seen those viral videos Mm. of them just looking like they were having the best time? Well, you introduced me to these two. You became obsessed with them a couple of years ago and then you would show me their videos and I was like, I do love these guys. Yeah, I actually was quite obsessed with them. So this whole thing has rattled me a little. (laughs) Um, Hard week for Zara. Yeah. Now, Uh, It sounds very much like the relationship between these two has very much and very suddenly fallen apart. Philip Schofield has left the show with very little acknowledgement, very little fanfare. And I think a lot of people have been left asking, okay, so what exactly has happened here and how did we get here so quickly? Mm. I think to recap this, and I promise you, if you don't know who these people are, you will care because there's something quite curious going on here. We're going to have to take you back in time a couple of months and sort of lay out the series of events that have led to where we are now. We're going to go back, I think, to the end of March, beginning of April, where these two started to find themselves in the headlines mm. and then the headlines never stopped. 
I also do want to put on the record here as a bit of a trigger warning. We should warn you there are some darker elements to this story. We will touch on child sexual abuse, so that may be triggering for some listeners. Yeah. So as you said, Zara, we're rewinding to the end of March. That was when Philip Schofield's brother, Timothy, stood trial for sexually abusing a teenage boy over the course of three years. Now, this trial took place over three weeks and Philip Schofield took leave from this morning. He wasn't presenting or working as the trial was playing out. Now, according to the BBC, during this trial, the court heard that Timothy had told Philip Schofield in September 2021 that he and the victim had watched pornography together. Once again, according to the BBC, Philip Schofield said in a written statement, I turned and said, what did you just say? He said it was last year and we were alone together. Tim said it was just this once. I told him it should never happen again. He then started to tell me about the boy's body. I said, fuck, stop. I shouted at Tim that he had to stop. I didn't want to know any of the details, but he made it sound like a one-off. I said, I don't want you to tell me anymore. I said, you've got to stop, just never do it again. Regardless how that happened, it must never happen again. Yeah, so as Mish said, that was a written statement that Schofield, or Philip Schofield, I should say in this context, provided to the court about his brother. On April 4, Timothy Schofield was found guilty of abusing the young boy. Now, in response to this, Philip Schofield actually released a statement. He said, My overwhelming concern is and has always been for the well-being of the victim and his family. I hope that their privacy will now be respected. If any crime had ever been confessed to me by my brother, I would have acted immediately to protect the victim and their family. These are despicable crimes and I welcome the guilty verdicts. As far as I am concerned, I no longer have a brother. I think a lot of people are putting those statements next to each other now and asking some questions. Back to the show, Mish. On April 17th, sorry, no lots of dates flying around, Philip returned to hosting duties after his three weeks off the show. And on the day he was to return, Holly Willoughby, his co-host, said she actually was sick with shingles and she took a week off. So these two ostensibly had nearly a month off the couch together. They did not work side by side. Yes. Once Holly was back, so by this point we're basically in early May, whispers started to circulate that these two, Philip and Holly, had had a huge falling out. On May 10, The Sun, a UK tabloid, published an article with the headline, off-screen tension. This morning's Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield barely speaking as insiders reveal she would do the show without him. Eagle-eyed Twitter users also realised in the wake of all of this that Holly had removed a mention of Philip from her Twitter bio. It once read, I was introduced to this by Twitter legend at, and then tagged, Philip but she had deleted that line from her bio amidst all of these whispers. Yeah, around this time as well, I found it interesting the Times reported this. Willoughby was said to be deeply upset that she only found out about Timothy Schofield's trial when Philip Schofield took time off during the court case. So there were lots of theories and rumours rolling around about why these two might have fallen out. There were then reports that lawyers were called in from both sides and it got pretty hectic and intense very quickly. So Philip Schofield goes, all right, 
I'm going to issue a denial about it all and I'm going to release a statement Mm. to tell the world that things are fine. Things are good. He said, as I have said before, Holly is my rock. We're the best of friends. As always, she is an incredible support on screen, behind the scenes and on the phone. Holly has always been there for me through thick and thin and I have been there for her. The last few weeks haven't been easy for either of us. My family went through a real ordeal and Holly's support throughout meant the world to me, as did the support of my bosses at ITV, my editor and the whole of this morning family including our amazing viewers whatever happens we still have each other to count on (laughs) i would believe that maybe if holly came out and said yeah you're my rock too she didn't say anything holly said nothing which as the days went past we were thinking of talking about this last week zara but we decided to kind of wait and see how it was all going to play out if there actually was a bit of smoke here But her saying nothing is so awkward. Like if one person sticks their neck out and literally calls you their rock, saying you're the best of friends, for you to say nothing is saying everything. For sure. They also very awkwardly had to present next to each other throughout this. So Mm. they had to do their job, turn up, present live. And people were noticing. And I think, of course, it's one of those scenarios where it's very easy to make connections when you see what you want to see. But Mm. what I do think is fair is people said it looked awkward, slightly awkward. It looked like Philip Schofield was looking to Holly far more than she was looking to him, (laughs) which is so the kind of thing you do when you know someone might be annoyed at you or frustrated with you or angry at you. You're looking for anything. You're looking for anything. You're trying so desperately to, I don't know if the right word is suck up, but that's what I do. A hundred percent. If I think someone's pissed off at me, I'm like trying to examine their face (laughs) for any little change. Finally, guys, on the weekend, it was announced that Philip was leaving the show with immediate effect. In a statement, he said, I have always been proud to cover fascinating stories on this morning, but recently, this morning itself has become the story. Throughout my career in TV, including the very difficult last few days, I have done my best to be honourable and kind. I understand that ITV has decided the current situation cannot go on, and I want to do what I can to protect the show that I love. So I have agreed to step down from this morning with immediate effect in the hope that the show can move forward to a bright future. I'd like to thank everyone who has supported me, especially this morning's amazing viewers. Not a single mention of best friend Rock Holly in there. No. For her part, Holly said... Not much. She said, it has been over 13 years presenting this morning with Phil and I want to take this opportunity to thank him for all his knowledge, experience and humour. The sofa won't feel the same without him. It'll feel better. (laughs) Someone, I saw a commentary on Twitter, we're like, wow, perfectly crafted statement that is dripping in hatred. Yes. Knowledge, experience and humour. You know when you are speaking of someone who perhaps you're not particularly fond of (laughs) and I have this thing where it's like I refuse to lie. Like if I'm going to do a speech somewhere at someone's wedding or birthday I mean I'm probably loving them if I'm doing that speech but I want to speak about the person and speak the truth I don't want to lie I don't think she's lied here she probably thinks he's knowledgeable has experience and was occasionally funny <laughs> occasionally <laughs> a little bit witty and the sofa won't feel the same without him no it that's won't. not technically untrue <laughs> if you left shameless and I wrote <laughs> I a that. one like what is this Two sentences, a two sentence statement thanking you for your knowledge, experience, <laughs> and humor. And they, we've only been doing this for five years. They've been doing it for 13. 13. I mean, Phil has been on the show. Philip has been on the show for 20 years. He was there seven years before Holly was. 
and they didn't even give him a farewell episode. I mean, he didn't get a final time on the sofa to say goodbye. There was no fanfare, no real acknowledgement. The most he got was two fill-in presenters. Holly didn't go on the next episode of This Morning after this was announced. They had two fill-ins. And those villains spoke about him for 30 seconds. Also, it's, I don't know if it's what funny. What has happened? It's not, I don't know if it's funny or not, but they sort of spoke of him, like, as I was watching this, like he was dead because they'd flash up photos of his headshots. Were they black oh, and white? No, but they had flashing up, like, a whole variation of his headshots as they were speaking for 30 seconds. And I was like, it's very odd to have this, like, very formal still set of photos of Philip Schofield. They, as you say, Mish, essentially dedicated no more than 30 seconds, acknowledging that Philip Schofield had left. They did not explain why. They confirmed Holly Willoughby would be returning in June after a couple of weeks off. And that was it. I have a thousand question marks in my head. Something is weird. Something's up. You don't say goodbye to an employee, the face of the show of 20 years, with a 30-second weird, almost like eulogizing montage. Something's up. Yeah, curious indeed. Our second story, Anwar Hadid lost it on Instagram after Dua Lipa hard launched her new French Le Snack and log off bro. Pedestrian. <laughs> I was uh, looking forward Le to you reading that headline. You um, nodded at me. I was like, I thought we were sharing this quick and dirty, but you made me read yeah, that. Yeah, I picked that headline and I wanted you to say log off bro. <laughs> and I thought it, it paid off well. Now on Friday, Dua Lipa made her red carpet debut at Cannes <laughs> with her new partner. It. We are not calling it debut. We're already (laughs) committing to mispronouncing restaurateur. We can't keep mispronouncing everything. Okay, fine. Dua Lipa made her red carpet debut at Cannes (laughs) with her new partner, a 41-year-old French director called Romain... Gulf class. <laughs> oh, that's right. Was that, that a good was French accent? I don't know great. how to pronounce this. We kind of have towed off mic for the last five minutes if we do the bogan Australian pronunciation of Roman... Gavras. Well, you looked at me and you're like, how do we say this? I'm like, Romaine Gavras. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually looked up a couple of podcasts. Nobody has been consistent with their no. pronunciation. So we're just going to guess. Let's just call him Romaine. Romaine. Perfect. Anyway, <laughs> these two certainly seemed pretty into each other. I don't know if you guys saw much footage from the red carpet. They were holding hands. They were laughing. They were cuddling up for the cameras. They looked pretty sweet. Well, she also called him, I think it was her sweetheart. Sweetheart. Right? Her sweetheart. She wrote like a, a French caption on Instagram and then the the translation was basically my sweetheart. Aww. So it's sweet. Big, she calls him that because she also can't pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> my sweetheart. That's funny. Sweetie. So who is he? Well, Romaine's most recent project was the 2022 Netflix film Athena which competed at last year's Venice Film Festival according to Harper's Bazaar he's also directed fragrance campaigns for some luxury houses including Louis Vuitton and Dior he's also actually made several music videos including winning a 2012 MTV Music Award for I don't know if this singer is MIA or Mia 
Yeah, MIA, yeah. I think. MIA's yeah, bad girls. Yeah, we're really good with the pronunciation <laughs> today. Now, anyway, they came, they posed, they loved Dua, as you said, Mish, shared the photos on Instagram. They looked amazing. Soon after the photos hit the press, Dua's ex-boyfriend of two years, 23-year-old Anwar Hadid, I didn't realise he was still so young. He's still so, so young. Teen. I mean, he's growing at the same age as the rest of us. He's 23, had some peculiar Instagram activity. Now, for context, these two broke up at the end of 2021 Dua Lipa is 27 yeah and she's been single ever like she's maybe dated around a little bit but she's been pretty single for the last 18 months she's not been public with anyone you know there were those Jack Harlow rumors and all Mm. of that there was me rooting for her and Harry Styles (laughs) story now the first thing that he shared Anwar was a gloomy kind of looking selfie where he wrote, trying to not find and kill him. Another selfie on his Instagram stories saw him smirking into a mirror accompanied with the words, I can't breathe. He then posted another Instagram story that said, I hate the way you say my name. And then another saying, have fun. He then posted about his music and added a sad face in his own comment section. Yeah, so... I think people naturally were like, is this about Dua? Like, what else is it about? Mm. Then, according to TMZ, Anwar followed all of that up with another Instagram story that read, crazy how the internet will just make whole articles about shit they don't know anything about. Y'all as bored as fuck. (laughs) And then in another slide, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Like, sorry. I love it when celebrities gaslight us so much. Especially calling us bored as fuck. Like, we are bored, but that's a separate thing. Yeah, like, that's not why I'm linking this. I'm linking this because you wrote trying to not find and kill him. Yeah, and you're leaving, like, sad faces in your own comments section and you're putting all this shit up in your Instagram stories. If anyone's bored... It's the 23-year-old taking selfies at home, posting like six Instagram stories. Yeah, with like subliminal messaging. Yeah, which isn't that subliminal. Also, it's so... First of all, I don't like this with anyone, but they broke up so long ago. I find it really sad that this is the. So that's, I guess, I should have asked. Do you guys think these stories are about Dua? Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Trying to not find and kill him. I agree. I think it's completely about them and i think look if it happened a week after they broke up i don't like it regardless but i'd be like mm, he's like emotional this is all very fresh whatever 18 months later like you've had so much opportunity to move on i agree our third story taylor swift said she's never been this happy in my life amid maddie healy dating rumors that is from glamour mm, despite some of taylor swift's fans being extremely unhappy with her at the moment she paused mid-concert on the weekend to announce something i guess she thought that might have like shut the disappointment or the anger from fans down she said mid-show I kind of just feel like telling you, I don't know, I've just never been this happy in my life, in all aspects of my life, ever before. I don't know. It's not just the tour. I just sort of feel like my life, like it finally makes sense. Oh, look, could be multiple reasons that she said this. As you said, I would not be surprised, given what we're about to talk about, if she felt like she needed to put the fans back in their box and Mm. say, leave me alone. Mm. But also, oh, still on the poor Joe train. i got to be honest. I just, yeah, we've said this on the show so many times. When you've just gone through a breakup and you're dating someone new, to then outwardly say, I've never been so happy. (laughs) You have no idea how happy I am. (laughs) Even when people have been married once and then they get engaged again and it's like, I finally understand what love is. (laughs) And it's like, we don't need 
need to do that. <laughs> like, I believe you, yeah. but do we need to do the backhander yeah. as well? This is sort of how I feel about this. <laughs> that's it. I'm giving her a green pass. Like, of course, that's off. what pass baskets are for. <laughs> now, this, of course, came on the heels of an open letter on Twitter where Taylor Swift's Dan's implored her to leave Maddie Healy. Now, if you're confused as to why the fans don't like Maddie Healy, go listen to our episode a couple of weeks back. We did like a 20 minute deep dive on this whole scenario. The open letter to Taylor that was on Twitter read as follows. And a heads up, we've cut a lot for pacing because this letter was long. It read, Dear Taylor, as concerned fans... <laughs> I did not know this happened, by the way. This is so fresh to me. <laughs> well, Annabelle, let me tell you something. Dear Taylor... As concerned fans, we are writing to express our disappointment regarding recent events. Maddie Healy has been involved in acts and controversies that deeply trouble us. While individuals have the right to make their own choices and form relationships, we believe that it is essential for those in the public eye to take a stand against discrimination and hold themselves and their associates accountable. We urge you to reflect on the impact of your own and your associate's behaviour. <laughs> Why don't we just use his name? Sounds like yes. a lawyer. And your, yeah. <laughs> your business partner's behaviour. And engage in genuine self-reflection. Change takes time, but we hope to see you actively engage in this process of personal and social transformation. Why, why does she suddenly have to transform socially and personally? I'm so, oh my God, so embarrassed. Look, we have spoken about Matty Healy and our confusion with him, as you said, in a couple of episodes back. That is a worthy conversation. To write an open letter to someone you do not know (laughs) as a collective, urging them to have some personal and social transformation because of associates. Them and their associates. I find too much. And I think I said this on your Say Friday last week, which was it's kind of this double-edged sword with Taylor Swift. She has fostered a relationship with her fans that has given her fans a lot of power and in turn that has served her Mm. by fostering this relationship where they're all meant to be on the same level and she is their big protector. They have been very loyal. They have paid astronomical amounts of money to go to her concerts. They are buying her albums, her re-recorded albums Mm. the second they're announced on pre-order. That said, the downside of it is when they feel so responsible for you and so well within their rights to dictate how you live your life and feel like they can express disappointment at Mm. your decision-making that I just find so overwhelming. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of something we've touched upon in Scandal episodes. We did a YouTuber series last year and we did speak about this, that when you tell your fans that they're not just fans anymore, they're your friends, which Taylor Swift has heavily lent into this idea of, I literally welcome my fans into my home. Like the most devoted fans get special PR releases from me. They get to hear the album first. I am friends with my fans. That does reinforce this idea that as friends, fans can then call her out when they feel that she's behaving poorly or in a way that doesn't reflect them anymore. So it's a bit of a slippery slope. Some of these fans, these stands, are also announcing that they're cancelling their pre-orders of her Speak Now re-released album. And these tweets, we're not pulling on something, something that we find annoying in the celebrity news space is when publications pull maybe tweets with one or two likes and make it a story. That's not a story. These tweets about cancelling pre-orders have thousands of likes. This isn't some, it's a minority, of course, the most vocal minority. But there is a group of people here that is of a pretty substantial size and are pretty substantially angry as well. 
Dare I say, though, all of that in mind, I don't think Taylor Swift's team is that worried about this. No. And I don't think Taylor is that worried about this. I think they would be if she wasn't on tour right now. By design of us having visuals every weekend of her standing in front of tens of thousands of adoring fans, and not just the fans in the stadiums, the fans in the car parks singing her songs, thousands of fans in the car park who couldn't get a ticket. The fact we have that visual and those optics means anything on social media kind of just melts away because, yeah, there are a few thousand or maybe 10,000, 20,000, whatever, very angry people on Twitter. But there's more than 100,000 people every weekend screaming her songs in the pouring rain, devoted disciples. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it probably might be a slightly different story if she wasn't on tour and we didn't Mm. have those visuals. That said, I don't know if she'd be doing this Maddie Healy PR relationship (laughs) if she wasn't on tour. Oh, you still think it's PR? Yeah, a little bit. One thing that... I thought is interesting in the context of this conversation if we have time oh, very yeah, quickly. We, oh, we always have time. This morning I saw quotes from Phoebe Bridges about her fans. I don't know if you guys saw these published. She's spoken in the last couple of months in varying ways about how she does really struggle with her relationship with her fans. And she said in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, there's a higher chance that you'll meet a fan that you hate than a fan you <gasps> love. You're way more likely to be confronted with someone who just violated your privacy. I find it so fascinating that these two women who are performing together at the moment on this said tour- They're close friends. Have completely different relationships with their fans or completely different approaches to how they want to foster a relationship yeah. with their fans. I just find it- fascinating and I wonder how they feel about each other's attitudes because they are worlds apart. Thank you for bringing that into the episode. You're that welcome. so interesting. You're right though. They do have polar opposite approaches and yet they're basically living together right now. So I wonder if we'll almost see Taylor go to that side of thinking or that side of angst with her own followers and fans. Anyway, back to the drama. Also this week, we had a source close to Joe Alwyn speak to the Daily Mail. And the quote read, Joe feels slighted and is distraught after seeing Taylor's budding relationship with Maddie, but is doing his best to keep busy and focus on himself. Do we think that source is legitimate or bullshit? Bullshit. bullshit. I think it's legitimate, but I, think I just because love the it's drama. the Daily Mail. And I know we've spoken before, it's like sometimes stuff from the Daily Mail will have some smoke to it. I just don't know. If Joe would go to the Daily Mail. Yeah. And if that's the first time we're going to hear from his camp. Mm. I think he would because I think it's one of the most popular publications. So I think it's going to reach the majority of places. And he's not going to go to The Sun who revealed the Maddie Healy and Taylor relationship in the first place. I don't think it would be any of those. The only argument I could get behind as to why it would be the Daily Mail is because it a lot of people wouldn't think it's legit. Mm-hmm. So it's like if if Joe Alwyn's sources are going to People Magazine or E or someone like that, we're more inclined to, as a collective, say, oh, that's probably Joe Alwyn. With yeah. this, there's some shades of grey, so there's still a sentiment out there without it kind of being 100% legit. Good point. I take it back. I actually agree with you now. <laughs> <laughs> Our fourth story. Ariana Maddox is making a fortune from all of this. That is from The Cut. Michelle Andrews, take it away. Well, you guys will remember a couple of months ago, I explained in great detail the Vanderpump Rules scandal story. If you need a refresher or if you missed that episode of Shameless, Vanderpump Rules is a reality show. It's based in LA. It follows the lives of young people working at Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants. Now, the show Vanderpump Rules is in its 10th season. Two of the main personalities on that show are Ariana Maddox and Tom Sandoval. They have been together for nine years. They own a house together, have pets together. Their relationship is as serious as you can get. 
However, another star of the show, Raquel Levis, has been having an affair with Tom for seven months. That was revealed in March. Ariana and Raquel were best friends, which made this incredibly messy. And now the show has finally caught up with that storyline. So the season has been airing, but viewers haven't seen all of this unravel on their screens until last week when we finally got to the March timeline. And how did you find it? It was, no exaggeration, the best episode of reality television I have ever watched. I didn't just watch it once. I've watched it three times. Oh my God. (laughs) Three times. Once with my girlfriends, we had like a girls night plan to watch it. Once with my husband, who is now a Vanderpump Rules fan. And then I played it for my mum and both of my sisters who have never watched an episode and also loved it. My mum was supposed to go swimming and stayed and watched the entire episode instead. Did you say my mum was meant to go swimming? (laughs) (laughs) Mum did that thing where she's like, I'm not watching this. I need to go swimming. And then sat down. It's in the middle of winter. (laughs) I don't know. She goes to the local pool. She goes to the local pool and does some exercise. Some laps. Yeah, she does. Fucking love that. She's a queen. I always want to get into laps. Is it an indoor or outdoor pool? It's an indoor pool. Oh, thank God. And I don't, I can't be sure she does like laps. Laps. I just know that she goes to the pool. Does she wear a cap? Because that's why yeah, I you don't have want to, to wear caps. Yeah, but I feel like I'd look Hiding. like Meg. Yeah, I did water polo for one year in year twelve, and my mum would just zoom in on my head. <laughs> like not only was I drowning in the pool, but I looked like an egg. Did you have goggles quite, on as well? Yeah, because oh. I have quite a wide face. I don't think there's any denying that. An adorable that. face. Yeah, yeah. No, a sweet-looking face, but quite a wide one. Anyway, I'll um, I'll be interested in going to the pool with Vicky. But she did that thing where she goes, "I'm not watching this. Like I'm above." this trash reality program but then you catch a whiff and And you're in yeah and you're not moving and boy was she in so i will tell you even if you haven't watched the series you can watch this episode from last week and still love it now one element that i have found fascinating is how wonderful this scandal has actually been for ariana maddox's career as reported by the cut Welcome to the world of Revenge SponCon, a concept Vanderpump Rules star Ariana Maddox has expertly demonstrated in the months since she was humiliated in the public eye. Can I run you guys through Please. her success mm-hmm. since she was, you know, put through all of this? She has gained 500,000 Instagram followers in the space of about eight weeks. She has signed some of the biggest collaboration deals you could think of as well. She did a revenge dressing edit with Bloomingdale's. She is rumored to be on the upcoming season of Dancing with the Stars. She is also one of the new faces of Uber in America. She is fronting simultaneous campaigns for Uber Eats and Uber One on American TV screens right now. Both of those ads point out how good freedom tastes and how great freedom is. She's launching a sandwich bar at the moment with her co-star Katie Maloney, which has officially kind of been pitted as an alternative to Schwartz and Sandy's. So her ex-partner Tom Sandoval and one of the other men on the show, Tom Schwartz, have a bar. But all of the people who watch the show are now saying, well, we're going to support the sandwich bar. We're going to support the sandwich shop and support Ariana. What I love about this is I don't think this kind of career glow up is preordained. I don't think you're automatically going to shoot to stardom when you get cheated on by your partner of nine years. I agree with that. I think she has handled this so 
brilliantly i've been watching on thinking who is her pr team yeah because whoever's doing this is incredible i also saw pat photos of her arriving at alex cooper's house to record a call her daddy episode yesterday which i thought was pretty cool as well i agree with you i think i mean fuck if something this horrendous is going to happen to you i hope you are able to rake in the cash and at least something thrives in the wake of all of it well she's just been brilliant if i was ever cheated on i want to eviscerate my partner the way ariana maddox in (laughs) but also her wardrobe has been immaculate the timing and the execution of her media interviews including that call her daddy one that you just mentioned zara has been gold and i think she is now the blueprint for the wronged woman and how to flip the wronged woman narrative into an actually i'm better than ever thriving woman narrative in the public eye I love it so much. And our last story, why is everyone on Twitter talking about this blue couch? (laughs) That is from Mashable. Well, in case you didn't see this story around, (laughs) let us tell you about it. This all began with a TikTok from a user called Amanda Joy. Now, Amanda posted a video on the platform of her finding this very unusual, completely soaked through <laughs> blue couch on a New York City sidewalk. Have you seen this, Annabelle? No, I have okay. not. <laughs> Great. So this will, we will have to really try and explain this to people who haven't seen the video. The word viral mish can certainly be overused these days. Yes. But this came up in your For You page. It came up in mine. Mm. And it's been viewed like 50 million times in three days. Yeah, I think 50 million views in three days. We can establish that's viral, right? That's viral. (laughs) So the video shows this blue couch on the New York City sidewalk looking so sad. Like (laughs) (laughs) Amanda holds up her phone to show you what the couch should look like if you're buying it new. And it turns out, she believes, it's a Roche Baboy piece. The couch retails brand new for eight grand. Her caption on the video was, got my dream couch for free. Now, as Zara said, the couch is dirty. In the video, you actually see Amanda using her foot to take some of the dirt and debris off It's also so soaked that the entire bottom half of the couch is a different blue (laughs) to the top half. Like the water has, it reminds me of when you're a kid and you're wearing flare jeans to the floor and you step in slightly wet i don't know a puddle and then it just rises up to like your calves this is the couch version of that happening yes and we also should put on the record as well for people who haven't seen this video amanda was not in desperate need of a couch no you see her existing couch being replaced in the video it was quite a nice looking existing couch <laughs> i actually way prefer the original <laughs> couch to the big so she had a couch, blue she had one quite a nice apartment she's seen this couch on the sidewalk films a TikTok and says, I'm going to take this home. And thank God her her dad and her sister thought, well, we can't be taking this home without cleaning it. Let's clean it. Let's get a cleaning machine and clean it. I honestly think they did one little swipe. (laughs) It was so measly. She's like, and now we're clean. She's like, and now it's ready. <laughs> and it's not ready. And she puts it in her apartment and everyone lost their minds. Because you're looking at it, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be able to see the stain. This the camera. It's not clean. It's, no, it's not clean. People are losing their minds over this. Like Twitter in particular cannot handle it. One post actually speculates that the $8,000 couch 
isn't worth $8,000 at all, but is a cheap dupe from Alibaba. No. That costs like 800 or something less than that. Now, that tweet got over 70,000 likes. Someone else parodied the situation and tweeted, Yesterday, I had to say goodbye to my $8,000 couch because I found 2 million individual bed bugs and three <laughs> different colonies of bacteria inside of it. I left it on the sidewalk for garbage collection. That got over 200,000 likes. It's so hard. I mean, it's the whole, all the comments we're talking about bed bugs, though, and someone who has both been infested with bed bugs like and is allergic to them, let oh. me tell you, I actually really struggled to look at the, I can't see this couch anymore. Oh, I mean, would you be taking the couch? Uh no, I definitely wouldn't if it was soaked halfway through. No, and covered in dirt. N- not all, not <laughs> all sidewalk couches made equal. Would you, Annabelle? Sidewalk couches are exposed to the elements. Yeah, and, and that can was, make mold and stuff. Yeah. I would definitely get I've my couches secondhand. I'd get a secondhand couch, Absolutely. not one that's been sitting outside. Though. No, can I can I interest you in one more tweet? You that can. I really liked this let's, tweet. Got let's a, on this one. This tweet got hundred and seventy-eight thousand likes. It read, "Heard the craziest story last night at a party." buddy of mine found this $8,000 couch in an abandoned building, took it home and found it's haunted. The ghost of a small Victorian child <laughs> would rise off it every night at 3am and stare at him blankly. Anyway, he threw the couch on the sidewalk last week. <laughs> that funny. is all we've got time for. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this ride. If you want to support the show, you know what to do. Hit follow on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, leave us a review while you're there or tell your mates at work or wherever you are today, university, <laughs> wherever you happen to be, that you like Shameless and they should listen. Yeah. Uh, Annabelle Lee, <laughs> anything to add? You know what I'm going to Oh, wait, book club. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I was going to say now, but yeah, we got book club on Sat. On Saturday. On Sat. <laughs> Cannot wait for that one. It's a goodie. Can't wait for you to chat to us about that book. That's all for now. Back in your ears on Saturday and then Monday. Bye. See ya. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land